Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hi, I'm Julie Gunlock, Director of the Culture of Alarmism Project at the Independent Women's Forum, and your host for today's Working for Women podcast. Today, I'm here with Jillian Melcher, a senior fellow at IWF and the political editor for Heat Street, which is an online publication that features news, opinion, and commentary. Heat Street's motto is that it's a place where free speech is celebrated and there's no safe spaces. So we love that. Hey, Jillian, I'm glad you're with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, listen, we are doing this podcast because we are very concerned about what is one of my favorite foods, and I'm sure one of your favorite foods. Um, It is under attack, and it is salad, if you would believe it, right? Yeah, besieged salad. I've been shocked by how many salad haters have been out there in the month of January. I mean, I thought we were supposed to be getting healthy, but apparently, nope, salads are unhealthy and sexist. Yeah, and the Debbie Downer you know, sort of food attackers here, of course, are attacking salad at the very time of year where we all feel bloated and disgusting from the holidays. And we're all on sort of rabbit food, you know, a salad diet. And here come uh, these, you know, the the commentary class um, telling us all that salad is a problem. Now, it's very interesting. You've written, we have, you and I have both written on this. I wrote a piece for Acculturated and you wrote a piece for Heat Street um, about how, uh, Salad is a tool of the, I'm not kidding. This is not an onion article. Uh, this columnist for, this columnist for court, which is another online publication, um, wrote that, uh, salad is a tool of the patriarchy. Um, interesting also at courts. I know you wrote on this. I have not yet written on this one. I might do that after we're done here. Uh, also at courts, there was a headline, uh, uh, indulgent foodie blogs, sexually objectify women. So there seemed to be um, a real concern about food out there, how it is used to objectify women. Let's talk specifically on how salad is a tool of the patriarchy. Maybe you could give me sort of your thoughts on, on, uh, on, on that and sort of sum up what the court's article was saying. Yeah, well, it's it's a really silly argument, in my opinion. Um, the court's writer, Olivia Goldhill, really was arguing, and I, I want to quote it here because I think it's kind of hilarious, that bowls of can't leaves are on just it. really... Yeah, exactly. That bowls of leaves are just really the side helping to the constant diet of guilt our culture feeds women about their bodies. So it doesn't really matter if, like, you go down and choose to, to get a salad. If you go to Pret that's what looks good to you. It doesn't matter if you live above a shop, um, decide to go there and pick it out. Uh, you're, you're actually participating in the subtle oppression of women when you eat your greens. Uh, so I, I kind of had to roll my eye at that. I, I mean, I, I think you did a really good job of pointing out that across the world, there are actual real feminist concerns um, that that's have right. nothing to do with what we choose to eat for lunch. And when, when we fixate on things like this, we're, we're kind of, I guess, making a mockery of real feminism. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I started out my article talking about some of the just I had read over the new year. Um, you know, I was I was on I was taking vacation over some of the holidays. So I was reading just some some things that I was interested in. And it was really kind of horrifying. Some of the examples of real sexual objectification and oppression and abuse and crimes against actual crimes against women. And, you know, it really occurs to me at, when I read these courts articles 
about how salad, you know, my bag of butter bib lettuce is somehow, um, you know, responsible for keeping me down. Um, it makes you, it really puts, I, I think in sharp relief, why most women don't identify as feminists. Um, you know, sort of mainstream feminists and writers like this course writer um, just make a mockery of what, you know, <laughs> what the early feminists, what the early suffragettes were really fighting for. And so it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, it, it, and again, I, I also point out in my article that as I started to read this article in courts, again, the one that said that, that salad objectify, objectifies women or is a tool of the patriarchy. I, um, I thought it would be a joke. I honestly did. I thought at some point she'd crack a joke. I thought, or I thought she'd make fun of herself. <laughs> yeah, you, you, maybe it reads like it reads like satire, but it's crazy to realize that this author is writing this totally straight face, like totally serious. And I think that's Super that's serious. the problem when we start politicizing our food like this. It makes women more self conscious about what they eat, and there's no need for that. I mean, if you don't like salad. Don't eat salad. Um, don't you don't have salad. to claim that it's a tool of sexism in the patriarchy. Well, interestingly, you know, this writer also talks about how women, part of the reason that salad is a tool of the patriarchy is because women are sort of pushed to eat salad because they want to look a certain shape or, you know, but, you know, it's interesting. And so, you know, she says, in a way, women, women's diets are being sort of controlled by this outside force, right? But it's interesting, you know, I eat a salad every day. And I actually eat kind of the same breakfast every day. And the reason is, is because I don't care that much about my breakfast and my lunch. And in fact, the fact that I just choose a salad because I need something nutritious to fill my belly quickly so I can move on with my day, I think shows my healthy relationship with food. That not every meal has to be a Michelin star meal. Not every decision about food has to be sort of an agonizing, what am I going to eat? Whereas she is suggesting you do exactly that that you, you sort of, you know, and honestly, I have to ignore sometimes my urges. You know what I'd like? I'd love five guys every day, every day for lunch. That's what <laughs> I would like. But I have to deny my, my urges because I want to stay fit and I want to be healthy. And so it was just this convoluted reasoning in her article. But I want to move on. I want to talk about your, another article you wrote. And it's so fun because so often you and I write on similar things and make fun of these ridiculous articles that we see sort of in the press. And you wrote about how this one, again, this is Quartz, another um, writer for Quartz, suggests that foodie blogs, he called them indulgent, foodie blogs sexually objectify women. His point being that, you know, it's like replaced pictures of women's bodies on the internet that a lot of these, I mean, he's totally condescending to some of the women who write these blogs, but he says that women, yeah. you know, replace and this is actually a, a woman writing this. This is a yeah. central Michigan oh, university it? professor. Yeah. And wow. she was writing about how she thinks that basically when we look at foodie blogs, when we look at, at the pretty pictures on Instagram, that, um, that that's actually, you know, you're not just enjoying it. You're not just appreciating that the pretty food or looking at recipes you might want to try out. It's actually a substitute for pornography, uh, <laughs> like taking foodie porn really, really literally. Um, and again, with, without any sense of humor or self-awareness. My God, that's, that's great. Um, and I mean, again, none of these articles have a hint of irony like there's no sense of humor there's no making fun of themselves they take themselves entirely seriously in these in these articles um and again 
you know, this is the kind of thing that women see, you know, feminist writers or it defines feminism for them, which is really sad. You know, look, I think some feminists are doing some good work and I think some, um, you know, especially women's organizations like the independent women's forum are focusing on things that women really care about, like healthcare and energy policy and taxation and employment issues, labor issues, work-life balance. These are the things women care about. I mean, these stories are just silly and I think they reflect the silliness in some ways, of the mainstream feminist movement, which really is sad. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, when we're looking at this article about uh, so-called food porn, I think one of the things that was really striking to me is that the Central Michigan University professor was describing the modern woman. She was saying that this modern woman is both feminist and feminine, um, has a work life and a home life, um, enjoys both the professional world and, and being domestic sometimes, and I think that's absolutely true. But this professor viewed that as a contradiction, as something that was keeping women down, that you can have it all. And I just thought yeah. that was really insulting and condescending. I mean, sometimes a cake is just a cake. Sometimes we, we, we enjoy seeing food. It is appreciative to do that. And I think when you put all this pressure on women to view their food, not just as a nutritional choice, not just as something that there's an aspirational body choice going on, but as a political decision, that's not freeing to women. That's, that's adding a ton of stress to their lives. And I think it's really off-putting. Well, you know, I, you know, look, with, with, I, I feel with a lot of the left and, and writers on the left, everything is political. Everything. And we know that, that, that the left views everything as political. But it's also, I think what you said there, you know, sometimes a cake is just a cake. Sometimes a salad is just a salad. And in fact, when you obsess over these things, when you put deeper meaning in salad, you do stress women out. This is not useful. I mean, it's, it's not, I, I think most nutritionists and the medical profession would view putting deeper meaning into your salad is not a healthy way to approach food. Um, you know, sometimes a food blog is just a food blog and there's lots of people who have food as a hobby, food is something they enjoy. Um, but again, attaching deeper meaning to it isn't really healthy. You know, it's interesting, Jillian, you and I also write a lot about this, you know, sort of the culture of alarmism and things that the media tends to, and writers uh, in general, t tend to overblow the risks or hazards associated with certain things. And I, I cannot believe this, but salad was again in the news. Um, just last week, the Daily Mail ran a story about a new study, and you and I both know how the word study uh, is, you know, is <laughs> overused. Quotations. Not always, yeah, quotations. Um, so this, this, this article in the Daily Mail said that a, a new study is suggesting that salad may be harming your health because it's high in levels of copper and copper can harm. If you get enough copper in your diet, um, you can harm your health. It can make you jittery. You can have trouble sleeping. You can, it can increase your levels of anxiety. Um, it was the most ridiculous story and study I had seen because and I actually kind of made fun of the scientist who is quoted in this story that the scientist, you know, I sort of suggested the scientist looked around and said, there's nothing else to freak people out about. I mean, we freak, we freaked people out about every possible thing, meat, eggs, cheese, fat, low fat, everything is, everything is, is, is a problem. Every bit of food that's sold in the grocery store is a problem. So she looked around and said, Hey, let's attack salad. The thing that's really uh, dangerous about these sorts of studies and these articles that come out is they um, is there's first of all 
it's complete baloney because if you look at the items that contain copper, naturally occurring copper, many, many common foods, meats and dairy and coffee and uh, tea and herbs and spices, they all contain copper. So it's not just your leafy and greens it's, it's that you're a, getting co- And it's in a really from. minute quantity. I mean, it's, it's not yes, like exactly. it's just copper laden. It's in a tiny, tiny quantity. I mean, I think if, if you're yeah. eating enough salad to get copper poisoning, um, you probably have bigger problems. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the thing is, is that it's, it's, we see this a lot in commentary about food items, whether you're, if you're drinking a Diet Coke, well, you're going to be poisoned by aspartame. Of course, nobody mentions that you have to eat, you know, two semi-trucks full of Diet Coke every day over several years in order to, to get a toxic level of aspartame. Now, if you told a Diet Coke lover that, they would probably be reassured. But what's only mentioned is that aspartame at, ma- you know, and they don't even say at massive doses. They just say aspartame has some connection to cancer. Um, so we see this in a lot of other food. You know, whether, you know it's, it's, I've seen mom blogs, sort of alarmist mom blogs, who say you're harming your children if you feed them crackers. I mean, it, because, you know, some ingredient that's, that's kept in there, it's a preservative, causes cancer if you eat massive quantities of it, but your child is not eating massive quantities of it. They're eating a handful of of goldfish. So again, this is no different. It's the same, it's the same strategy. You know, you find a connection, copper causes people to be jittery. Well, so does coffee. Okay. And, and coffee has copper. And I mean, it's just absurd. And we're seeing this more and more in, in science reporting, um, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, bottom line, Moderation is important. It's not empowering to women to put them in a position where they're making their food choices based on fear or based on guilt about politics or gender. Um, And I think IWF does a great job about pushing back on this um, and in in a way removing stress from women's lives. That's right. Well, Jillian, I am always so thrilled to talk to you. It's always fun. And your articles are fantastic. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find uh, your writing? Well, thank you, Julie. I've really enjoyed you on, on their similar topics. Uh, you can find us at heatst.com and, of course, at iwf.org. That's right. Jillian does a ton of writing, and we, we uh, link to all of her writing at iwf.org. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been another edition of the Working for Women podcast. Tune in next week. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or Stop by IWF.org for similar content.